New Life Manatee, what's up, friends and family? Would you guys stand with us this morning? We're going to praise the King of Kings. He's in this place already. And we come together on these Sundays to do this thing. Again, the Christians have been doing it for 2,000 plus years, and that is just setting our hearts together on the Lord. So we're going to sing a song just about welcoming him into this place. He's already here, but welcoming our eyes to be open to his presence as we sing together, yeah? Oh, oh, oh. 
Jesus, be welcomed in this place. recognize you here. We recognize you've always been here. We recognize that you'll be there in the future. In our pain and our hurt and our joy in the life, there is always, always your presence right there with us, even in the fire.
Do you believe that, church, that all God's promises are yes and amen? Amen. It's so good to say that and sing that here in this place. Hey, it's good to be back with all of you. I was gone last week. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here of this church, Pastor Joe. And this week, a team uh, from New Life and a few people from New Life Manitou Springs 
uh, went to Nicaragua. There's James. He was on the trip. My wife, uh, Erica, was on the trip. And it was, y'all need to, first of all, y'all need to go on a mission trip at some point in your life. That's just a personal challenge I have for you. And the kind of trip we did all this week was, I think anybody can do this. We were uh, put into, there were six of us, teams of three and three. We were put with a translator and someone from a local church in Nicaragua. And guess what the name of the church in Nicaragua was that we worked with? New Life Church. You guessed it. So we were like, hey, that's the name of our church. That's the name of your church. That's so cool. So we were partnered with the translator and someone from New Life Church in in, uh, Nicaragua. And we went to people's houses that wanted a visit. So uh, for instance, one of the houses we went to is this woman named Sonia. And she was a grandmother. We went to her house. She hadn't been to church for years and years. And someone went around and found out, oh, she would like a visit from the American missionaries when they come. So we showed up at her house and chickens are scurrying everywhere. It's in the middle of like a jungle. Uh, her house is uh, just a dirt floor, 10 walls, 10 roof. When we got there, she was sweeping it, which I don't really understand. Like the dirt, the floor is dirt and you're sweeping dirt. Like it didn't make sense to me, but we went in. She had a huge smile for us. She had seats for us. We sat down and we kind of asked her her story. It's like, why haven't you been in church for years and years? You used to be a big part of the church and the New Life Church in Nicaragua. And then for years, you haven't been to church. Well, come to find out, she was sweeping the floor. Little kids were running around. Her daughter had passed away. Her daughter died of like a liver disease. And through the translator, we, we found out there was probably some alcohol abuse. Her daughter died, leaving her two kids, her grandkids. She was taking care of her grandkids. And so when we asked her, why haven't you been back to church? She said, well, I don't, I don't think I'm worthy to go to church. I don't think I'm worthy to be a part of that community. I think God's punishing me that, that, that there was alcohol issues and her daughter was taken from her. She, she, she said, I know God loves me, but I don't believe it. And so we met with her and through a translator said, you know, you know, God loves you. You don't, you believe that God loves you. And she said, well, I don't know, but your being here today is maybe the reminder of that. And so I just thought, well, we, we've traveled hundreds of miles to be right here at this house with a dirt floor to tell you that God loves you. And the God we worship is not a God that punishes. And we believe that your daughter gave her life to the Lord before she died. You're going to be reunited with her. Don't you want to see her again? Don't you want to come to church and live out your life knowing and believing of God's promises and raising these two kids how your daughter would have wanted you to in the church and with the Lord? And I looked at her and I said, do you want to give your life back to the Lord today? And the translator translated that and she just started bawling and the two girls on our team went and hugged her and we led her to just a prayer of repentance and coming back to the church and rededicating her life. And I think that that kind of story happened every day while we were there. The Lord used us in a mighty way to just show the people the kindness and the wonders of God that all his promises are yes and amen. So as you give to this church, now's the kind of usually the time we talk about giving. There's different ways to give to this church. Know that the, the, the offerings you give, the tithes and offerings, go to this church and support the ministry here and globally. Each one of us that were on the team, we, we, we supported our own way on the trip, but the continued ministry of like this church in Nicaragua that we're partnered with, we support them all year long. And your giving goes to support those things happening day after day, year after year, globally 
in this world. So let's pray. I wanna pray over Sonia. I wanna pray over this offering. Lord, would you lift Sonia up? I pray that she's in church right now, somewhere in Guada, somewhere in Nicaragua, worshiping you. And maybe at New Life, Nicaragua, she's there worshiping you, knowing that you love her, knowing that your hand is upon her. Lord, as we receive tithes and offerings with this church, Lord, may they go out from here. May your blessing go out from here, declaring that all your promises are yes and amen. Let's continue to sing that. Yes and amen, I know nothing could ever change what you said. I know your promises are yes and amen. I know nothing could ever change what Thank you for everybody who's watching online. I hope that um, you are just as blessed as we are to be up here with you today. So um, at this time, the kids are dismissed. And please turn and greet your neighbor and say hello. And we'll have Brock up here with the word in just a moment.
Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. How are you? Are you doing good this morning? Anybody doing good? Praise the Lord. You're in church. Good to see all of you. Our missionaries from Thailand are back in town. Good to see you guys. Uh, lots of great stuff happening here as a church. And uh, we have a guest speaker. I, we got in la- late last night at like midnight. And so I've already, you're probably like looking at me like, did he say the wrong country? Because I meant Nicaragua. I said Guatemala. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just still a little tired. Uh, we have a guest speaker today. I'll introduce Brock in just a moment and tell you who he is. Uh, a very uh, seasoned a leader in the church, a great, a very great communicator, someone who's going to open up the Word of God to us. But first, a little talk about the the sermon series that we're in. Do you know what book of the Bible we're in? in a sermon series, First Kings. Good job, congregation. Well done. the The sermon series is called Kings and Kingdoms. And and months ago, when we started the series. I thought, oh, this is a great series for our own nation. And and we're going into an election cycle. It'll be good to talk about kings and kingdoms on this earth, kind of compare it to the kingdom of God and his rule and his reign, remind ourselves that God is sovereign over political things going on in our own nation. And then, as we're all aware of, the events of last Sunday in Israel happened. And I remember getting to Nicaragua and, and getting my laptop opened up and, and seeing the news and just like, what, what is going on? What is Hamas? I've heard that name, but what? Oh, my goodness. And seeing the devastation and seeing the war and seeing like this whole week, one thing after another and more details of just horrible murder and killing and war. And I thought, this sermon series series isn't just important for our nation. This, this sermon series is important for looking at the kingdoms of this world. And it's, it's really important to know that God is in control and that there are really bad people who get in charge of things and they can do really bad things. But all it takes, the sermon today is about one person who does some good and that good leads to more good and how God can work through a holy person and righteousness, especially as, as nations are being led by people People like you and me who, who get to be in power and then we can do good things or we can do bad things and the difference that prayer can make, the difference that the church can make. So I, I thought I'm going to I'm going to tap into some of Brock's time and you could preach longer at the end maybe, but I thought we need to pray over Israel. Can you say amen for that? So so east is this way, which is towards the cross. Would you stretch your hands out to the cross, remembering that Jesus is sovereign over all and we're going to pray. Lord, we, we, we praise your name. We, we look with grief on the, on the war and these horrific events that have happened over the course of a week and last Sunday. Lord, we pray over Israel. We pray your peace. Your hand has been on that place, on that nation for as long as the world has been around. It's a special place. The people are special. And and Lord, your your scripture is full of stories happening in that place. The stories we're looking at today are in Israel. So Lord, would you guide, protect. Lord, would you bring your peace? Would you bring your love, especially on the Christians over there? May they be your example of light and truth in a dark place at a dark time. Lord, we pray for the church. We pray for your hand. We pray for your will, for your kingdom come, for your will to be done in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God's people said, Amen, amen, and amen. Well, this this uh, series, we're, we're continuing it, Kings and Kingdoms. We're in, what are we in, chapter 14? 
15. Oh my goodness, I'm way off. Chapter 15. I was, I was gone last week. Where have I been? Nicaragua. So Brock is a pastor. You know, we have eight congregations of New Life Church. Uh, he is one of the pastors at New Life downtown, just down the road. He's the high school and middle school pastor there. And this summer, uh, he preached to New Life downtown. And I watched that sermon online. And I just thought, wow, this guy has a gift for communication. He's got a gift for storytelling. He's, he's pretty funny. And really, he's got a gift for opening up the word of God to us. So he's, he's a young guy. How old are you? It's okay to ask a young man. How He's 27 years old. He's, he's been married. Uh, you've been married seven, six years? Six years. He's got two little boys, uh, and, and they're, they're just wonderful. And um, <coughs> excuse me. He, I, I um, emailed one of his friends. I emailed Rory. So Rory, he's already like, oh no. So Rory and him went to Bible school together. Then they worked together at a church in Texas. And I said, Rory, tell me how I should introduce uh, Brock. And he said three things. So I don't know if these are going to be true things or false things or, or joke things, but they seem kind of funny. Brock spends his spare time doing covers of Creed songs. Remember that Christian band from the, is that true? Do you like Creed? He said a little true. He said a little true. Uh, Rory, Brock's friend from college and this, uh, the other church they served with said, he is known, this must be an inside joke, known for testing out his jokes on random strangers. <laughs> that sounds bizarre. And then your, your, your favorite food is Texas sheet cake. It is? All right. Amen to that. Would you please give a warm New Life Manitou welcome to Brock as he opens the scripture to us? I don't even know where to begin now. It's like, and let the record show, Texas sheet cake is not just my favorite food. I make the best Texas sheet cake. So you just, you let me know. I'll make you some Texas sheet cake. I love, I love to bake. Um, but anyways, thank you for the introduction. <laughs> I think. Thank you. No pressure. I have to be funny now. Okay, great. Sounds good. Well, it's good to be with you all. I'm so, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And, and thank you, Dr. Joe, for and Erica, for all you do to pastor New Life Manitou, it's an honor to be a part of New Life Church. And I come here as a brother, uh, speaking to family. And so uh, today, as we open up the scriptures, we're going to be in First Kings 15. So if you have a Bible or a phone or whatever else, it'll be on the screen as well. We're going to hang out there. Uh, but first, there's a, there a guy by the name of Aristotle. He was a philosopher, teacher. He said this quote. He said, give me a child until he is seven, and I will show you the man. Give me a child until he is seven, and I will show you the man. What does he mean? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. That means that by looking at the child's family, their upbringing, their relationships, how they acted, how they talked, how they related to each other, how they showed love, how they did discipline or didn't do discipline, uh, that many of the characteristics within a seven-year-old, that those things that are formed by seven, will actually be present by the time that person is 30. And this is probably why I still love video games, cosmic brownies, <laughs> fart jokes, right? I'm a youth pastor. It's just, it's what I do. I'm used to talking to, to middle school and high schoolers, right? But in the first seven years of our life, our family goes, here you go. <laughs> this is who we are. Have fun, right? Does anyone have a junk drawer in their house? Yeah, everyone has a junk drawer. Come on, it's where you keep the batteries and the, the screwdriver and the, the candy that you don't want your kids to find. It's where you keep everything. You're like, I don't know where this goes, so it goes in this drawer, well, growing up, my family had a junk room. <laughs> so there was just one room in our house de dedicated to the toys and the junk and everything. And I remember uh, when I was about 10 years old, it was the summer, 
And uh, my older brother was in charge, which I didn't love. Um, but he was in charge because my mom was at work. And um, I remember one day, like, we had just cleaned this, this junk room, right? It had just got cleaned. It was vacuumed. It was clear. It looked good. Like, this is not a junk room. This is just a room now. This, is, this looks great, right? Uh, but then I remember it was uh, the afternoon. My grandma and grandpa came over. We had just finished cleaning the, the junk room. And um, they came with boxes and boxes and boxes of my mom's old stuff. Because they were cleaning out their stuff from when my mom was a little girl. They said, oh, she, mom cleaned all the, all the stuff, did she? You have some room in the house now, right? And they brought over all these boxes of mom's old stuff. And I remember calling mom, being like, mom, what do, what do we do? She's like, what did they do? <laughs> they brought over what, right? And so for many of us, as we think about our own lives, our own families, our families go, here's boxes and boxes and boxes of things that you're going to have to sift through for the rest of your life, right? And so today what I want to do is I want to actually sift through some of those boxes. I want to invite you to actually think about some of the, the burdens of your family, the things that they've handed to you that are maybe not good and we can break off. But I also want to consider maybe some of the blessings and the legacies of our family, things that we can hang on to. So uh, where are we at in the story? We're in 1 Kings, right? That's the book of the Bible we're in. Where are we in the story? If you're anything like me, I get so confused reading the Old Testament, and especially 1 Kings. I'm like, what, what king is in charge? What kingdom are we in? Who, what's happening? Why did they do that? What, where are we in the story? So today, before we get to, the, um, before we get to who we're going to get to, um, I'm just going to get you up to speed. If you were like, this is my first time talking about kings, I'm sorry, uh, but I'll try to do my best to get you up to speed, right? So what is going on? We have this guy named Solomon. I have a graphic here as well. We have a guy named Solomon, right? You've been, you've been learning about Solomon. Um, he was king over Israel. It's David's son. Um, and God said to, to Solomon, you probably covered this a few weeks ago, hey, because of your poor ability to finish well, because he set up idols in the high places, because he constructed idols and, and, and worshiped other gods, hey, this kingdom is going to be divided, Right, so it's going to be divided, but not in your, your time. It's going to be in your son's time. And then we're like, okay, who is that son? So we have Jeroboam. It was split into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. So we, we see Israel. We see Jeroboam. He reigned for about 22 years. And we see Jeroboam. He, built, he builds two golden calves instead of worshiping Yahweh. We've seen this before, right? <laughs> uh, remember Exodus? They built calves, and it, it did not end well, right? Um, not a great idea, buddy. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> just look at, just read the old stories. Listen to the old stories about the Exodus. And we have Nadab, who reigned for only two years. And here's what we read about Nadab, that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's what it says about Nadab. And we have Basha, a similar story. If you read the text, it says, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then you have Elah. He reigns for two years, uh, but he doesn't, uh, yeah, he, he also did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then we have Zimri, right? Zimri, who reigns for about seven days, right? <laughs> Great, right? We have this, this, he murders Elah, then he sets the palace and himself on fire. I'm not making this up. When people say the Bible is boring, I'm like, have you read the Bible? It's like, they could make a Netflix show about this stuff, right? This is in there, right? And then you have Omri and Ahab. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So you have generation after generation after generation of generational brokenness, dysfunction. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Then Rehoboam. We're going to go to the, the bottom part of the kingdom. We have Rehoboam, who also, guess what he did? He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? He, he built up the high places for worship. He built Asherah poles, which were basically uh, these trees carved into the image of a, a different god, right? And then we have Abijah. 
right, um, who reigned for about 26 years. It says he committed all the sins of his father, and he would not fully commit his heart to the Lord, right? So we have this lineage of death, destruction, decay, murder, idolatry, a trail of brokenness leading through these kings. This is not a fun portion of scripture to read, right? And then we have this theme throughout the Old Testament of generational brokenness and generational blessing all throughout the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, right? Generational patterns of brokenness and blessing are legit. They're present in scripture and they're still present today. They shape who we are. They shape how we make decisions. They shape what we're susceptible to, how we relate to other people. They form us, our earliest years, the scripts that we're handed, how we related to the people who took care of us, form us. They do something to our souls. Um, and you're like, maybe you're in here, I'm like, man, I'm nothing like my family. I cut ties with them a long time ago. I made that choice a long time ago. That's great. Um, but I love what Pete Scazzaro says. He says, Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa still lives in your bones. And there's still some work we gotta do in our lives. This takes a lifetime. You may have made a decision to accept Jesus into your heart, but that simply began the process of what God wants to do in your life. That over a lifetime, we have to, we have to sift through those boxes. What are the things I'm gonna hold on to? What are the things I'm gonna throw out? Right? And so there's another king. We see King Asa who shows up after Abijah in the line of Judah, King Asa. And here's what we read about King Asa. If you're in 1 Kings chapter 15, join me in verse 9. It says this, In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 41 years. His grandmother's name was Makah. The youth Makah, Makah. Sorry, the youth pastor. Just, I just, ugh. The daughter of Abishalom. It just, I'm going to think of a bird every time I say that. I'm sorry. But it says this about Asa. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land, got rid of all the idols the ancestors had made. He even deposed of his grandmother from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Asa cut it down. And he burned it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove the high places, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of the Lord the silver and gold, the articles that he and his father had dedicated. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness towards us. We thank you for all the things we've been handed, all the opportunities of sanctification that are before us. God, I pray that you would do a new work today. God, that you would... Uh, show us the places in our own lives that you want to sift through and deal with. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be especially present here among us as we talk about something that's rather difficult. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. Here's what I want you to know today, that with God's help and the leading of the Spirit, that we can dismantle the dysfunction of our past and stop the trail of generational brokenness. That that's possible for every one of us in this room. Right? There, are, there are life trajectories. I love hearing stories about this. There are life trajectories that can be supernaturally turned around with supernatural help from, from God Almighty, and he wants to do that for every person in this room today. And so where do we see this in the story of Asa? Where do we see this in the story of Asa? The first thing is this. Asa worked to tear down the things he did not build. Asa worked to tear down the things he did not build. He inherits a kingdom, right? And what did he inherit? 
a kingdom of brokenness, of generational dysfunction, of idol worship, of murder, of terrible, terrible things, right? He, he did not build these things up, yet he has to deal with them. He is king now, right? He didn't invite the male prostitutes back in. He didn't, he didn't make the idols. He didn't make the repulsive image for Asherah. His grandma did that, right? He, but what does he do? He has all these things before him, but what does Asa do? He gets violent with sin. He gets violent with generational dysfunction, especially generational sins, right? He expels the prostitutes out. He says, you gotta go. He gets rid of the idols. He cuts down and he burns the repulsive image, right? He told grandma, hey, you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go, right? He is, he is violent with the things in his life that do not belong, the things that he did not bring in, the things he did not build, the things he did not buy, but he takes responsibility with him. He deals with the dysfunction of his past. He deals with the dysfunction of his past. So here's my question to you. What are the generational scripts that you've been handed that are not holy? What are some of those scripts maybe early on you heard or maybe your family says about your family as a whole, right? We, we just, maybe we don't ask for help. I've heard these things over and over from families. We don't ask for help. That's just not what we do. Um, our family, we just, we just self-medicate our pain. We've done that for years. It's just what we do. Um, if, if uh, you know what, we're just, we're just a violent family. That's who we are. Or we don't do that church stuff. That's, that's for other people. That's not really for us, right? And whether you realize it or not, you have been handed a family script to follow. You've been handed one. And generation after generation after generation, these scripts, which are ultimately lies about us and about God, are not just believed, but they're actually lived. They become a part of your story. This is why we see this happen over generations of time, right? You know how generational patterns form? It's because people refuse to deal with the dysfunction of their past because it's really, really hard. It's not easy. If it was easy, it would have been gone by now. But I love what uh, Richard Rohr says. He says, pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Pain that is not transformed is transmitted to the next generation. So what are, what are the generational burdens from your family of origin? And how can you get violent with that generational sin? I think about my own family of origin. I think about my own life. Um, my, my, my family has not known how to really deal with pain, and so we just self-medicated. So there is a history of generational substance abuse whether it be through alcohol or drugs or workaholism, there is there's highly addictive tendencies in my family. And I've seen this destroy uh, families within my own family of origin, like generation after generation. That's just something that, um, and, and I have to be aware of. I am, I am susceptible to those addictive tendencies. So I have to be really, really careful. And I have to get violent. I have to set up really clear boundaries with things that could destroy my life and my family's life. Because that's not, that's not the thing I want to hand off to the next generation. So what are some of those things for you? Mine, you know, some of the things um, that we can do. So what do you do with them? You know what the script is, um, but what do you do with them? How do you get violent with them? Some of the most spiritual, uh, spiritually violent acts you can do is say this, Jesus is Lord. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually going to get help. Or, you know what? Social media is just not good for my soul. I'm gonna delete it. Um, I'm, I'm gonna set up a boundary with, a family member. Grandma Macaw does not have the final say over your life, right? You can actually set up a boundary that is healthy, that maintains relationship if need be, 
but you're, you're able to do that. You're able to, to set up those boundaries, right? So, so he, he works to tear down the things he did not build. What are those things for you? What are the things that you've been handed that are not holy? And can you work to get violent with the sin that has generationally destroyed your family? The second thing that, that Asa does, does is this. He, he re- reconstructs a new legacy that blesses future generations, he reconstructs a new legacy that blesses future generations, right? So we see at, see at the end of 1 Kings 15, he did this. He brought into the temple of the Lord the silver and the gold that had been expelled, right? He, he reconstructed, he brought them back in, the things that others got rid of uh, that actually belonged in the temple, right? He, he brought in the temple of the Lord, the silver, the gold. He says, I actually need to put good things back where they need to be. Right? It is not enough just to say, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be like that person. You actually have to bring good things into your life. Any, any, any book or article or podcast you listen to about habits says this. Bad habits cannot just be removed. They must be replaced. Right? So you think about, man, I'm sad. I really want some Texas sheet cake. Man, I could really, I just wanna bake a big old Texas sheet cake, right? Right, so that's, you know, I would say it's not a terrible thing, right? But if you're like, man, I just, I really need, I want to eat. I'm sad, right? Um, that, like, if you're trying to get rid of that bad habit, right, you can't just remove it, say, I'm not going to do that. I can't get rid of, just get rid of the desire. You actually have to replace it with something else. Like, man, I'm feeling pain right now. Like, and I feel the need to self-medicate. Maybe a healthy snack, right? Or maybe going for a walk. Or maybe journal, journaling that, that pain with God. Like it has to be replaced. It just can't be removed, right? So it's not just enough to say, I'm not going to be like them. I'm not gonna be like my dad, my mom, my brother, my sister, my uncle, whoever. Then who are you going to be like? What are you gonna bring that's good into your life? Right, what legacy do you want to leave? Dr. Joe said, I have two boys. Uh, they're, they're four and one, Hudson and Banks. And every night, Hudson loves to play this game with his books called No, I Don't Want That. <laughs> it's not my favorite game, um, but it's a part of our bedtime routine. So every night, we, I read, I'll read him a couple stories, and we'll sit down on the floor beside his bed, and <laughs> a lot of times he'll go, Dad, I want you to pick the book. And I was like, wow, I'm honored. Thank you. I would love to pick the story. Because last night, you stopped on Curious George, page five, and I was left on a cliffhanger. So I would love, I would love to keep that going, right? So let's do Curious George. No, I don't want that. Okay. Um, well, then let's do the one about the pumpkins. It's fall. This is a great seasonal opportunity to read this book. No, I don't want that book. I don't want that one. And like, we'll go through seven or eight books. No. Not that one. And finally, I'm like, buddy, okay, then you pick the book. But daddy, I want you to pick the book. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna do this one more time, Hudson. <laughs> and I'll pick the book. Mm, no, not that one. But that's what we do. We're like, ah, I don't wanna be like them. No, not that. And before we know, we know what we don't wanna be like, but we actually need a vision of who we can be, of the legacy we can leave behind of the vision of the good life we can live in the kingdom of God. And if you're like, well, who do I look to? I would just say start with Jesus. I know this is like the, the, the youth group, middle school, Sunday school answer. Start with Jesus. Read the gospels. How did Jesus live his life? What did he teach about? What are the basics of what it looks like to live a life like Jesus? And then you think about maybe some people in your life who have impacted you for the good. 
Like what are, what are some, maybe a coach or a teacher or a mentor or a small group leader or a pastor you had growing up? Like, man, I kind of like, I love this about them. They worked hard or they loved their family. Or like what are the, who are the people in your life that you can actually construct a new legacy with and you can hand that on to future generations? It's not enough just to get rid of the bad. We have to bring in the good. You can choose a new legacy. You have the power to do that. You have the power to choose. So it's not, a, it's, he, he, he tears down the things he did not build. He reconstructs a new legacy. But finally, he recognizes that God is not after perfect obedience, but an undivided heart. You're not gonna be perfect. You're not called to be. I'm not called to be. I mess up over and over and over, and I choose the sheet cake over and over and over, right? We do this, the, the habits are still there. They're ingrained into us, right? You think about Asa. Think about some of the things that mark his story in 1 Kings 15. He does so many good things. He does so many good things. Compared to where his family was, this guy is a great king, right? But that's not where the emphasis is in this text. The central verse of this passage is verse 14. He says, although he did not remove the high places. These are the places that were constructed for the the worship of other gods. Although he did not remove all of the high places, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord. His heart was fully committed to the Lord. In the end, Asa refused to remove the high places. I think he made some questionable questionable political decisions, (laughs) Um, and he wasn't perfect. Asa was not perfect. So I'm not up here standing saying to you, be like Asa. Don't be like Asa. There was a few things he did well, right? And and those were good. And as the band comes up, uh, here's the thing. Neither are you. You're not perfect, Things won't magically change in a moment. You will fail. You will mess up. You will oftentimes revert to old ways. But what about your heart? Uh, In the Hebrew, the, the, the phrase, he was fully committed to the Lord, actually means his heart was undivided. His heart was undivided. That I imagine a moment of resolve for Asa. He's seen, he's heard the stories. He knows that, that Israel is supposed to be a blessing to the whole world. He knows the, the, the script that they were supposed to have handed to them by God, that they were meant to be a blessing to the whole earth. But he's looking at his life, at his dad and his dad and his dad. You see the murder and the adultery. You see all the things that are happening through generations. And I just imagine a moment of resolve within Asa that it came down to a decision to have an undivided heart. And I think that's the invitation for all of us, to have an undivided heart. Will you make that decision that I'm not gonna be perfect, but my heart will be undivided? And I think the whole point of Kings, I think Dr. Joe had said this, the whole point of the book of Kings is to recognize there is no perfect king on this earth. That there was one king who reigned, who reigns, who will reign forever, who is perfect. He rules rightly and justly with grace, with kindness, with patience, and with mercy. And the things in your past that you did not build, Jesus wants to deal with those things as well. That this king is actually relentless in the pursuit of making you holy. He will stop at nothing to rid our hearts of the things that do not belong. He's cutting down, he's burning up, he's expelling the dark places of our heart and he is filling them with light. He wants to do that for you as well. So I'm gonna invite you to a practice. Um, When I'm with students, I have to get, be really tangible and like invite them to do the thing I want them to do. I can't say, hey, try this at home. We're gonna try this in the room. 
So there's a moment in the life of Jesus. Um, we talked about Asa bringing good things back into the temple. Paul says, he says, do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Right, so if you've accepted Jesus today, do you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? And Jesus, um, in the beginning of John, it talks about a moment where he goes into the temple. He expels everything out of the temple that should not be there. And he is angry at the injustice of what the temple had become. And so today, I just, I wanna invite you to open your hands, close your eyes. I want you to know that Jesus still cleans out temples. I want you to maybe imagine your heart as a temple. And Jesus is walking through your heart with you. And Jesus is also upset at what sin has done to your life. He's not upset with you. You need to know that he's not upset with you. He is upset with sin and the things that have been done to you. I want you to imagine just walking with Jesus through the temple of your own heart. Maybe he's pointing out things that should not be there. He's pointing out generational scripts that are not true and he wants to, re he wants to replace that with the truth of his word. I want you to just maybe think about what are some of those things that Jesus is pointing out? What are some of the things the spirit wants to make new so I can create a new legacy for future generations? What are the things that Jesus wants to get rid of that I've been handed? What are some of the things in my own heart and my own upbringing that he wants me to hold on to? May you know that Jesus is relentless in the pursuit of your heart. So God, we recognize that we are not perfect. We've worshiped other gods. We've, we have bad habits. We have things that we don't know what to do with. So God, we're asking you right now to create a new heart, a new spirit within us. We're asking you, we're inviting you in to the places of our hearts that have become dark and hardened over time. God, I break off any lies that are present in this room, that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. Because of what they did to me, I'll never be enough. God, I pray you would replace those lies with the truth. You would expel those things, you would cut those lies down, you would burn them up, and you would replace them with the renewal that comes with your spirit. God, may right now be a moment of resolve to create a new legacy, to dismantle the dysfunction of our past, to create a new legacy. God, if there's a legacy of substance abuse, would you break that off right now? God, if there is a generational dysfunction of not getting help, would you break that off right now? God, if there's a generational script of the, the, the lie that I'm not enough, would you, wreck it? Would you help us show us that you are enough? And that's what matters. God, would you fill our hearts with grace and with light? God, may we leave this place changed, walking in the newness of life that comes with Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Awesome, thank you so much. Amen, would you stand with me? The communion servers, would you come forward? We're gonna serve, you're gonna come forward, walking in this room towards the cross. 
receiving the elements. And I know that what Brock has shared with is, is we, we often know what we don't want our life to look like. We know we, we shouldn't be here. We know we shouldn't be there. But what do we want our life to look like? May I suggest that we want our lives to look like coming to the cross, walking in this room. It's a, it's a small journey, but it's a spiritual one, a metaphorical journey of walking towards the cross with open hands to receive the elements of Christ's blood, Christ's body shed for us and broken for us. This table is open for anyone in here that believes in Jesus. If you would like to come to this table, you are welcome to come. It is Jesus' table. Would you pray with me? Then we're going to come through the aisles, uh, working our way from the front to the back, down the middle, towards the cross. The communion servers will say, Christ's body and blood for you. Would you receive those elements? Go back to where you are seated and just hold them. Wait there. I'll come back up and we'll all receive together. Lord, we come to your table now. You're standing at the door and knocking. You're inviting us into your life to receive from you. Lord, that's what I want my life to be like. That's what I want this church to be like. Every one of us that's following you, Lord, we want our lives to look like coming to your cross and receiving from you. And so, Lord, we do this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's come forward. Let's receive. to cream. 
Take the bread and when you get it out, would you lift it with me? Christ, on the night he was betrayed before he would give his life for the world, the next day said, do this in remembrance of me. He took bread and he broke it and he made a comparison that his body will be broken on the cross. And that's why we have a cross at the center of this room to remind ourselves that Christ died for us. And so would you receive this with me, the mystery of Christ's body in us? Christ also had a cup on the night he was betrayed. He said, this cup is a cup of a new covenant, a cup of his blood shed for us, God's blood. God come to earth as fully one of us, fully God gave his life and bled on the cross for our sins. So we receive this cup remembering that we're forgiven. Lord, now we thank you. We praise you that this day we, we know what we want our lives to look like. Lives following you. Living after the ways of the cross. Living after your ways. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives, in this world, in the kings and the kingdoms of this planet. Lord, may your name be exalted. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, as you leave here today, leave slowly. Brock, you, you preached a great message, and it was shorter than my sermon. So 
and it was funny. You did a great job, Brock. Well done. As you leave here, know that please stick around, meet some people around you. We're going to have a prayer team up here uh, to pray over you, to pray for you. If you have things in your life or your week or the week to come, I would love to pray with you. I'll be down here as well. Uh, if you're new or newish, I see a lot of new faces, some over there, some over here. Uh, we have a paper card. You can fill out a, a guest card with Kelly, who will be outside. Or if you want to do the e-version, you can scan the QR code on the backs of the chairs. Uh, we'll put you on our email list, let you know about a lot of things going on here at this church, which there are quite a few things going on. I have to get my paper out just to look at all of them. First of all, not tomorrow, but the next Monday, we're going to start a small group called Sound Minds. It's going to be a Bible study and kind of a support group, but really more of a discussion around mental health. The first one is going to be on fear. And so if, if you would be interested in this, please come to the first one just to get a feel for it. So not tomorrow, but the next Monday, right here, 6.30, we're going to start a small group. It's going to be uh, once a month, once a month Mondays, every two week Mondays. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, starting next Monday. So that's called Sound Minds. Our women's group is this Thursday, 6.30, right here. I highly encourage you women uh, to be a part of this church. That's the best way to get connected Thursdays, uh, this Thursday right here, 630. And then uh, we also have worship night. So we're doing once a month worship nights uh, here in Manitou, right here, 630 on Tuesday, this Tuesday, two days from now, right here. We'll have an extended time of worship and prayer. We're going to pray over the nations. We're going to pray over Israel. So if you're like, I, I need to pray over that. I see that on the news. My heart's broken. Come on Tuesday. We're going to pray over the nations, specifically war-torn Israel and the things going on in our world that we just need to, as a church, pray for. So that's going to be right here, 6.30, worshiping, praying over our city and over our world. Let me pray a blessing over you. Would you hold your hands out just to receive this blessing? It's a, it's a symbol, a posture of, Lord, I want to receive from you. So Lord, I pray, may you bless and keep. May you make your face to shine upon us. Lord, may your goodness and your mercy follow us. May you lift your countenance upon us all the days of, your, uh, of our lives, Lord. May you bless us so that we can be a blessing. Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.